Welcome to the Potter's House Salmon Arm Podcast. We are a Bible-believing church located in beautiful British Columbia, Canada. We are proudly part of the Christian Fellowship Ministries with 3,000 churches around the world. We are a church focused on world evangelism, discipleship, and church planting. Here we will share recent sermons from PHSA Church and other sermons from throughout our fellowship. I am Pastor David Bickford, and I will be your host for this podcast. I thank you for listening today, and we hope these messages are a blessing to you and bring you closer to God. Hello, and welcome back to the Potter's House uh, podcast, the Potter's House Salmon Arm. I'm the Pastor David Bickford. Uh, out here in Salmon Arm, British Columbia. So again, thank you for coming back. Uh, if it's your first time listening, I apologize. I might be a bit, you know, froggy today. I'm a little bit uh, amped up, you know, too much caffeine possibly. But today what I'm going to be talking about is is the, is part four of a series that we're doing, which is wrath, envy, and pride. It's on habits. And, and really these are these are kind of some things that we've talked about before a little bit because wrath, envy, and pride. We've we've talked a little bit about the sins of lack and the sins of of um, of excess, right? And so with this, though, we're going to look at wrath, envy, and pride. So wrath is a frightfully overwhelming anger that typically has no reason. It can it's a call for extreme punishment of those that we we perceive having wronged us in some way. But with such a fraught excess that it is wicked in the eye of the Lord. So during uh, World War II, Hitler and the Germans labeled the Jews as such an enemy that they needed to be destroyed. And many atrocities were committed by the hateful wrath that consumed Hitler and the Nazis. And with that, though, there's lots of other examples to wrath that we can see even in our own lives when we allow ourselves to be compelled by anger to a point where we we lash out in wrath. And so Frederick Nietzsche, he had a he had a quote that says a bad conscience is easier to cope with than a bad bad reputation. And so this is an interesting thing because Nietzsche he underpins and he underlines a lot of what eventually became fascism both with um, Mussolini and with Hitler. Right. So the like Nietzscheism or the idea of Nietzschean thought is one that is is very Machiavellian in, in some senses where the ends do justify the means. So he's saying that it's easier to cope with the evil of a bad conscience. It's easier to cope with your own conscience than it is to deal with a bad reputation. That's a very scary thought from a very scary philosopher is the thought that you could, as long as you're able to maintain the semblance of a of a good reputation, well, then you can do all sorts of wickedness behind and allow yourself to deal with your own with your own conscience at a later time. It's a very worldly view, and we see that today in our world quite often. The text we're going to be working from today is Ezekiel 33, and we'll be diving in at verse 10, go through 10 through 20, roughly. So with that, I'm going to go ahead and jump directly into the text today. And so it says in verse 10, the subheading to this portion of scripture is, Why will you die, Israel? So in verse 10, And you, son of man, say to the house of Israel, Thus have you said, Surely our transgressions and our sins are upon us, and we rot away because of them. How then can we live? Say to them as I live, 
declares the Lord God, I have no pleasure in death, in the death of the wicked, but that the wicked turn from his way and live. Turn back, turn back from your evil ways. For why will you die, O house of Israel? And you, son of man, say to your people, the righteousness of the righteous shall not deliver him when he transgresses. And for the wickedness of the wicked, he shall not fall by it when he turns from wickedness. And though the righteous shall not be able to live by his righteousness when he sins, though I say to the righteous that he will surely live, yet if he trusts in his righteousness and does injustice, none of his righteous deeds shall be remembered. But in his injustice that he has done, he shall die. Again, though I say to the wicked, you shall surely die, yet if he turns from his sin and does what is just and right, if the wicked restores the pledge and gives back what he has taken by robbery and walks in the statutes of life and not doing injustice, he shall surely live. He shall not die. None of the sins that he has committed shall be remembered against him. He has done what is just and right, and he will sure, he shall surely live. Yet your people say the way of the Lord is not just when it is their own way that is not just. When the righteous turns from the righteousness and does injustice, he shall die for it. And when the wicked turns from his wickedness and does what is just and right, he shall live by this. Yet you say the ways of the Lord are not, not just. O house of Israel, I will judge each of you according to his ways. Just going to go be before God in prayer real quick. Dear Lord God, I pray that you'd open your the eyes. Open our hearts to your word, Lord God. Help us to dig into the meaning of these scriptures and how they can apply to our lives and to this day. We give you all the praise and glory. Amen. So the first point I want to talk about is the battle against nature again. And we're going to go with a starting off point with that. We're going to be defining what wrath and envy and pride are defined as. I like to define things because I think it's important in this day and age that we come from we come to each you know topic or each idea from the same starting point now you can argue these points later on and i'm more than happy to have those conversations with you but the reality is is that we need a starting point to launch off from to get that conversation started so wrath is typically a used as a noun and it's a, a strong stern fierce anger right deeply resentful an indignation an ire vengeance or punishment as a consequence of that anger so when you're wrathful a lot of times you're you're so wound up that you're going to take vengeance as your own and we know that's not something that we're called to do as christians and we'll get to that in a little bit but some synonyms to that to to wrath or acrimony or asperity conniption i really like the word conniption because have you ever heard the term all oh, that person's having a conniption fit they're they're raging out, if you will. Uh, like in today's vernacular, that would be like, you know, maybe maybe a Karen moment. You know, somebody just flipping out on somebody else. They're having a conniption, exasperation, a flare up, fury, hate, hatefulness, madness. You know, people can be overwhelmed in their wrath and be in madness. Some anonyms or op opposing words would be calm, calmness, delight, happiness, glee, kindness, love, peace, things like this. 
Wrath is like a stage four cancer. By the time wrath takes over, it's often because the rot in our souls is so extreme that we have nothing left but the purely animalistic like response, some sort of animalism response to whatever's happening in our, our life or our situation. Lashing out like a cornered beast, we will do anything, even ungodly violence at times. When man takes wrath into their own hands, it's this emotionally you know, fraught idea. And it's often lacking in any kind of logic. Godly wrath, on the other hand, is pure and righteous. And that is why we are called to leave wrath only to God. In Romans 12, 19, do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, it is mine to avenge and I will repay, says the Lord. This is an important thing for us as Christians to understand and, and to know. We are not supposed to take you know, on God's responsibilities. And so with wrath, he tells us clearly in the scripture to leave this to him because he is the ultimate judge. That's why we're called to love. We're called to love our neighbors. We're called to you know, preach the gospel and love our neighbors because that, that message of repentance is what the core is in our faith. And when you think of you know, the book of Jonah, the prophet Jonah, he knew what God could do with his message of grace. And when he was sent to Nineveh, he fled the scene because he didn't want to see the Ninevites saved. In his own anger and hatred towards the Ninevites, he would rather see them uh, come to the judgment and the wrath of God than to ever have the opportunity to be forgiven because he knew that God was a gracious God. And Psalm 711 says, God is a righteous judge, a God who displays his wrath every day. And he does every day. But it is his to it is his to display, not ours. Hitler and the Germans hated the Jews, and it and made it many may have started from a place of envy. And this this is where we continue on moving from wrath into envy because they're closely tied. The Jewish people are still God's chosen to this day, and for that reason, they are blessed people. In Germany, before the rise of the Nazis, they were also very successful. As a minority ethnic group, this is mostly due to their strong family connections. Have you ever wondered why society is always trying to break down the family? There's a nugget of truth here. That when you when you link as a family in faith in God, that there's going to be a, an element of protection. So this connection allowed for Jewish culture to be able to sustain itself. And it... So Jewish culture that still strove to follow the law of Moses was able to carry on and maintain a distinct culture. Their piety has always made the Jewish people a target, both in Europe and throughout the world. But what really caused them trouble in the 1930s was their prosperity. Even in a time of economic depression, it was clear that the children of Israel were being well taken care of by the Lord. And this allowed the spirit of envy to rise up in Hitler and, and, and he was able to weaponize the German people by acting on this envy and turning it into hate and eventually wrath. Here's a quote from Alexis de Tocqueville. He says, Americans are so enamored of equality that they would rather be equal in slavery than unequal in freedom. So even in the Americas, we can see that envy can be can, can start to grow it can start to grow in people's hearts because they'd rather be equal in poverty 
They'd be rather be equal in despair than to be unequal in that freedom. Because freedom requires responsibility, right? Freedom requires you to work, you to put in some effort and to take responsibility. But envy, let's define that, is a feeling of discontent or covetousness with regard to another's advantages or perceived advantages. Success possessions or to have an ill will towards someone who you deem is better off than you. Some similar words to envy are begrudging, bitterness, hatred. I like this, this, this word bitterness because bitterness can be you know stored within your soul. And it can start to do like real physical damage to yourself. Have you ever seen somebody who's just, they feel like they're, or you can look at them and you can tell that they're just holding on to such anger and hostility or bitterness to some wrongdoing that came against them at one point that they just look like they're all twisted up. They're bitter. Jealousy, malice, prejudice, resentment. Backbiting is a good one too. Because oftentimes when you're envious of someone, it's very easy for you to start backbiting and saying, well, they've got it easy. They didn't have to work for what they got. You might see influencers online or people who've been very successful in business and you're you're very quick to judge. They're like, oh, well, they didn't have to work for it. Tell you the truth. Most people who, you know, actually build a company, they do it and it's very, very hard. They take a lot of risk to get there. It's a lot of work. So it's not wise to backbite, to be envious. It's not wise to be covetousness or to, to show covetousness. Other words for envy or terms, the green-eyed monster, you probably heard that one. Some anonyms or some opposing words would be friendliness, liking, loving, comfort, confidence, contentness, goodwill. It's very interesting how, how we talk about these habits, we talk about these traits, and it always seems like the, the anonyms for these words are the gifts of the Spirit that we read about. But envy is often the root to a multitude of sins, and for Paul proclaimed it in 1 Timothy 6.10, he said, For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Some people eager for money have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves in many grief, griefs. It's, it's the actual love of money or stuff that can be the root of all kinds of evil. Where does this love of money start? It can often start with envy and a feeling of discontentment when left unchecked. When we allow ourselves to feel sorry for our situation or we grumble against God, often we turn our gaze to others. The children of Israel did this when they were in the wilderness, when they were in the desert after leaving Egypt. God had done miraculous things, but they were very quick to turn back onto God and to, and to start grumbling under their breath. We always hear this term, the grass is always greener on the other side of the fence. In fact, everything they have is better. If we neglect to judge these feelings, they can grow into that green-eyed monster. And we talked about it you know, last time as far as taking your thoughts into control, being responsible for your own thought life. Because if we're not, these thoughts, they can live to devour those who, whom they set their gaze upon. If you allow these thoughts to just dwell within your mind, you become, you become that monster. And as we look at the last portion, 
We look at pride. At this point, it was easy to take the German people and pour out nationalistic pride. And, and by pouring out that nationalistic pride onto the, the, Jew, the German people, this fever swept over the land and it twisted this noble country into to commit horrible atrocities. We see this also outside of, of any kind of ethnic or religious background, but we see the same thing happen within you know, the, the rise of China, communist China. Where you get entire groups being willing to turn on their on their family, on their parents, out of envy, out of pride, noble pride, or nationalistic pride. Millions of Jews and, and those allied with them were, were executed during World War II. Even more so during the purges of Russia and China during the communist revolutions. The reality of these sins, immensely powerful, and unlike the sins that we have looked at already, these sins tend to be infectious in a way that the others are not. Many countries fall to envy, then pride, and then wrath. We could see an example of this in today's world. Many leaders strive to separate us by leveraging our envy, our greed, and our lusts. They Then they push pride in a dishonor, into dishonorable things. Puffing up many that should not be so excited to highlight their own sinful desires. Once this is done, then the purpose of the ungodly, the ungodly leaders is to turn the groups against each other, to foment this vitriolic, overwhelming hate or wrath. Now it's not about what this group has that that group doesn't have. Now it's about how wicked it is for us to be over here with nothing and what they have, and we need to take it. It becomes even more dangerous. It eventually becomes hate and wrath. Pride is also a noun, and it stands for high or inordinate opinion of one's own dignity or your importance or your merit. It's a superiority, whether as cherished in mind or displayed in bearing. It's the pleasure of satisfaction taking something being done or belonging to oneself or believed to reflect credit upon itself. Civic pride. So civic pride can be a good thing. But when that civic pride is tied to envy and wrath, it can become a very wicked thing very quickly. For example, the celebration of a specific minority group or the affirmation of equal rights for members of that community. The idea that you're going to give one group more power over another group because of pride, but qu quickly becomes a very dangerous thing. So some similar words for pride in the respect of how we're dealing with it today would be ego or e you know, self-love, self-worth. Those things can be fine, but self-glorification become very can, be, can become very dangerous, right? Whereas the opposing words, some of them can be considered as modesty. Or timidity. And this is not necessarily a negative thing in itself because we are supposed to be another one like humility, modesty, and timidity. These are things that we're called to be as when we're called to be meek in our Christianity, in the sense that we know we're fallen and that it's only through Christ that we're saved. So pride is one of the largest of the sins that we know about. If I had to rank pride as a sin, it would be the highest sin, but only because out of pride, we can commit blasphemy and blasphemy against the Holy Spirit. That being said, the consequence to unchecked pride can be extreme. Satan himself was cast out of heaven 
for the sin of pride. His pride was so strong that he led a third of the angels in war against God himself. And you can see that in Isaiah 14, 12 through 15, or Ezekiel 28, 15 through 17. So let's look at biblical wisdom then. And we go back to our text in 33, 10 through 11. And we can look at how, what can what can be done with, with these sins or with these habits. In verse 10, and you, son of man, say to the house of Israel, thus have you said, surely our transgressions and our sins are upon us and we will rot away because of them. How then can we live? Say to them, as I live, declares the Lord God, I have no pleasure in death of the wicked, but that the wicked turn from his ways and live. Turn back, turn back from your evil ways, for why will you die, O house of Israel? Patience cures wrath by one of the first understand, like by first understanding the needs and desires of others before acting or speaking. In Romans 9.22, what if God, although choosing to show his wrath and make his power known, bore with great patience the object of his wrath, prepared for destruction? Psalm 37.8, refrain from anger and turn from wrath. Do not fret. It leads only to evil. Proverbs 15.1, a gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. Kindness cures envy as well by placing the desire to help others above the need to supersede them. And we could see that in 1 Corinthians 13, 14. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. Job 5, 2. Resentment kills a fool and envy slays the simple. James 3, 16 through 18 says, For where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you find disorder and every evil practice. But the wisdom that comes from the heaven is first of all pure. Then peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy, and good fruit, impartial and sincere. Peacemakers who sow in peace reap a harvest of righteousness. Humility cures pride by removing one's ego and boastfulness, therefore allowing the attitude, an attitude of service. And remember, Christ came as a servant, and he died for our sins. And through his resurrection, we have the opportunity for salvation through grace. But in Proverbs 16, 18, it says, pride goes before destruction, a haughty spirit before a fall. Proverbs eleven twelve: when pride comes, then comes disgrace, but with humility comes wisdom. And finally, Philippians 2, 3, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourself. This is a pretty hard thought to value others before yourself. Now, you might think, oh, that's simple. I can do that. What it's really talking about is the servant's spirit. If someone takes your chair because you got up, let them have your chair. And then maybe say, hey, can I get you anything? I mean, that's pretty simple. It's pretty silly. But at the same time, a lot of people will get extremely upset if they feel like they've been slighted, even in the smallest way. I've known people who, if you sat in their pew at church, they'd be like, well, that's my pew. Well, they'd get there earlier. But in the meantime, be nice to this person and maybe introduce yourself and have a good conversation. Show some humility. So as we close, let's look a little bit more at some biblical wisdom. 
turning to God's word in Colossians 3.12, therefore as a king chosen as a, uh, therefore as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourself with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. As we turn back to our initial text in Ezekiel 33, we see in verse 17 through 20, yet your people say the way of the Lord is not just when it is their own way that is not just. When the righteous turn, turns from his righteousness and does injustice, he shall die for it. And when the wicked turns from his wickedness and does what is just and right, he shall live by this. Yet you say the way of the Lord is not just, O house of Israel. I will judge each of you according to his ways. We are called to practice humility, kindness, and patience. Now, I know this is not easy, but when you make your focus on others, then you will find that in the Lord, you will have the strength to serve others with all of these traits. When you are tired or frustrated, fall upon the Lord and remember that you do not do these things for anyone but the Lord. The outcome, the response from other people is not the point. But rather your faithful service to the Lord is the point. I don't, I don't make the, like, to be honest, like even preaching, even, even doing a videos, videos like this, I don't do this, you know, for any reason, except for that. I do it unto the Lord. Now, I hope it helps people. I do. I hope it resonates with people. And I, I hope you, you get something out of this. But the reality is that I'm exercising something for the Lord. I know that over time, he'll help me to be better. He'll help me to do to be able to reach people for his purpose. But if I focused only on the responses I get back, it's very easy to become you know, bogged down. It's very easy to say, well, it's not, I'm not getting enough traction or enough, it's, it's not, it's not working quite right. Or if, for example, but you know, other kind of content creators, stuff of that nature, they'll get like negative reviews and they'll just be like, oh, I can't do this anymore. But if as a Christian, we do it unto the Lord, and that is the point. The outcome, the response is not the point, like I said, it's it, but rather it's it's a it's a call to service. For Christ died for us. He hung upon the cross for us. He died and he rose again so that we can be saved. And it is that message of the cross that compels Christians to act a certain way. It compels me to preach. It compels me to hopefully get a message, a simple gospel message out there. I'm not the most eloquent person in the world, and I don't even try to be. But the reality is, is that I want his message to get out there. And I hope that it impacts some people. Even because even while I was still a sinner, his, Jesus went and died for me. And the thought of what that means, you have to really understand, like, let's say you're on trial for murder. You killed somebody. And then someone comes in off the street and says, I'll take the punishment for that person. You don't know who that person is. As far as you know, there's no connection to that person in you. That's what he did for us. We're all dead in sin, but it was Christ who came to set us free. So if I could have, you know, if you're listening to this as a podcast, like while you're driving, of course, don't do this. But um, if you're not, if you're at home, if you're just doing something around the house. I like to have every head bow, every eye closed wherever you're at for just a quick second. 
Proverbs 22, 4 says, humility is the fear of the Lord and its wages are riches and honor in life. At the end, at the end of every message, I like to give an invitation. Maybe, just maybe, this message impacted you and you feel the presence of God and you feel the weight that of, the, of sin in your life. You don't have to live in that sin. You don't have to live in a place where you feel condemned by your actions, your, your, the actions of your past. You could throw that upon the Lord. You can, you can give him your life. And he will give you, through grace, salvation. And it's very simple. The way to do that is just to repent of your sin, that, which means turn away, to turn away from your sin. Accept him as your Lord and Savior. And, and allow him to be in your heart. So if you were to put it into a simple prayer, it'd be like something like this. And you can repeat this after me. Dear Lord God, I know that I'm a sinner. I know that I'm not perfect. I turned from my sin. I repent. And I accept you, Lord Jesus, to be my savior. I accept you into my heart. Help me. Help change my heart. Thank you for the gift of salvation through grace. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. That simple, simple prayer takes you from having to carry the burden of the, of the wages of sin, which is death, and being entered in the Lamb's Book of Life. That's it. Now, what I recommend afterwards is find, you know, get a Bible, start reading your Bible. You start praying, which just means have conversation with God. Just pray. You can learn, you'll learn as you go, and then get into a church. A Bible-believing church. And when I say Bible-believing, I mean the whole Bible. From beginning to end, find a Bible-believing church. And if you're in the Salmon Arm area, British Columbia, then, then come, and, come and visit us. If not, reach out. And we have fellowship churches all over the place. We have over 3,000 worldwide. But I thank you again for taking the time to listen to me. I hope this message resonated with you. And I look forward to, you know, doing another one of these messages for you. And if, if this is impacting you, reach out to me. I'd love to hear that it's, that you're getting something out of it. And I do this under the Lord. Thank you for the time. Amen. Thank you for listening to the PHSA Potter's House Salmon Arm Podcast. Be sure to follow us on Instagram at Potter's House underscore Salmon Arm to keep up to date on what we are doing. Join the conversation and discover how Jesus Christ can revolutionize your life. Thank you.